is up designers and welcome back to the grand design podcast there's probably a lot of wind in this intro but uh, i'm going to keep it brief because i really don't have much to say in this intro man this podcast episode we're going to cover everything like uh really what this podcast episode is about is what i call you know abolishing the noise and abolishing the culture of entrepreneurship because the culture of entrepreneurship is literally like holding entrepreneurs or people who consider themselves entrepreneurs which i don't you know, it's holding them back. It's literally destroying what it represents, which is innovation. And so we're going to talk about, you know, how that culture um, is like, it's becoming like seriously just all noise. You get on social media and it's the same idea as replicated over and over again. It's just noise. It's no innovation. It's like, oh, hustle, hustle, working with 3M, digital marketing, social media marketing, social media is the best way to do this. I'm a, I'm a digital coach. It says all these stupid things. And so like, but none of it's original. It's like just regurgitated ideas and nothing new coming to the surface. And I think entrepreneurial culture is to blame for this. And uh, I just provided some ideas of how people stuck in that trap of just being like part of the noise and a bunch of noise and not being like unique in an individual and, you know, somebody that people see is like different in the top of the mountain, uh, how they can get from being a part of the noise to that place, in my personal opinion. I also cover things like, you know, why my bank account is negative and how I'm dealing with that and, you know, my dream house. I think I talked about it in this episode, how I found it in Malibu the other day. Uh, a bunch of different stuff. But this episode is going to be crazy, insane information as usual. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to get into actual theme music and into the episode. But before I get into that, I want to implore you, man, if you like this podcast, please like subscribe to i mean and rate this podcast and leave a little comment when you rate it okay i got a little book coming up what it's called is um i gotta find it in my notes it's called the designer manifesto a guide to properly building a cult-like attention around your unpopular opinion in the noisy post-cancel culture internet era uh it's gonna be a super crazy book about taking the ideas in your head and getting them out into the world in the form of mass movements um the best way I think in a modern world, really the only way, with examples like the Communist Manifesto and Mein Kampf and things like that, um, it's going to be an insanely value-packed book, but it's not even done yet. But here's the thing, man. If you actually like um, subscribe to this podcast and you, uh, and you rate this podcast and leave a little comment and you take that comment and you either DM, DM me or post it on social media and tag me in it at Junie Prayer, um, then I'll give you early access to the book. It's not even done yet, but you can read it and like leave comments and things like that and guide the book as I work on it and so yeah this is a really cool opportunity so rate this podcast and leave a little comment and subscribe to this podcast as well but without further ado I'm going to go to the theme music and I appreciate you all for listening along peace out how do people like us the visionaries the creatives real people with real ideas people who don't have mass budgets platforms or teams and people who live in this noisy world dominated by internet gurus, influencers, and big brands. The people attempting to make a dream on our own dollar. How do we get our ideas to pierce through all the noise in not only a massive, but a massively profitable way? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dallas, and this is Grand Design, the podcast about taking the ideas in your head, pushing out into the world, and forming massive. What is up, designers, and welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast, the podcast that's all about taking the ideas in your head and pushing them out into the world in the form of mass, 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 mass movements. It's your guy, it's your boy, it's your DJ, whatever you want to call me, Dallas Prater, and I'm glad to have you on this podcast episode. 
Man, I'm usually a lot more structured with my ideas in this podcast episode, but tonight we are going to free flow the entire thing because I've been trying to make this podcast episode for at least two weeks because I actually put a lot of time, effort, and energy to like structuring the story, not on paper, just I do it in my head, following like the specific rubric that I liked because it breaks down false beliefs and makes you understand the point I'm trying to convey more clearly. But this podcast episode, I really want to try something different and just kind of flow with it. And so let's just start with a little update of the way things are going, man. I have, let me check my bank account right now. I want to tell you my exact balance. You know, because I just told my Instagram story. I might as well tell you all too. Um, it's a lot of dark in the light is what I want to say. You know, it's a lot, it's, 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 it's a lot of, it's a lot of balance in the world. And I feel like as long as we train ourselves to spot the balance, you never feel lost, you never feel down. So it's my PNC account. It's at negative $9.08. Okay, even this podcast, this episode might not go up because, you know, the monthly payment for this podcast is a podcast to stay on iTunes. is like $15. And that that charge just bounced off my bank account. So this might be the last episode you hear for a little bit because I'm going to figure out eventually how to get it back on. You know, we survived 100% of our worst days. So you'll see this podcast again. You'll see this episode eventually. Today's date is about 3.34 a.m. Uh, June 15th. Okay. And I'm walking through the the apartment's like parking garage. Beautiful night in LA. I like to, like I said in the last episode, go on these long night walks. So it feels like you kind of like walking with me at night on like some homie to homie type stuff like you know what i mean and so that's what i'm going so my bank is at negative nine dollars and eight cents or what i think i said my credit score i just checked credit karma i'm going to check it again uh check the credit wise on credit karma they logged me out but i'm a, i'm gonna log in for you just to see what it is my credit score is 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 this is june 15 2020 by the way if you listen to this a year later my credit score is below average it's 445 it's my credit score and um you know like i said this podcast <laughs> the charge of this podcast is like the literal charge just bounce and so that's a little bit of what's going on but i was talking on, a, on my instagram story earlier and i was just saying i'm just giving a little update this is not what the podcast episode is about the podcast episode is actually about how entrepreneurism you know the culture of entrepreneurialism really needs to be abolished because it's destroying what entrepreneurialism stand for and everybody uh that refers to themselves as entrepreneurs on the social media are really just doing themselves a disservice and destroying their possibilities of being something great and creating a new world for the people like entrepreneurism is supposed to do but anyways, you know, uh, like I said on my Instagram story, like you got to be able to see like the dark from the light. Like there's always, I feel at all times, and that's why I never feel congested or blocked up or scared or nervous. I just feel like free and joyous because it's like my bank account is like negative $9, but because like look at the things that are working in your favor in a weird way. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, you know, and of course, you know, I'm not even going to preface that with anything. I'm just going to say what I got to say. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, my bank account, PNC, is not doing insufficient fund fees or overdraft fees. But if they were, my bank account would be like a negative thousand dollars or something right now. They probably have shut it down by now. And so, look at how things are working in your face. Like there's always something. I don't know what it is. It's a force in the world giving you a you know outside shot, giving you a fighting chance. You know, I remember like I was saying in my uh, episode. I remember waking up at. 3.30 a.m. in the morning to go to Target and work right before the armed robbery situation that forced me to quit Target. What did force me to quit Target? I quit it because I wanted to live and I valued my life. But I remember waking up every day at 3.30 a.m. and going to Target and hating life and having money because paychecks were coming in to fuel, 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 like fuel all this business and all these ideas and all these ventures that I wanted to go on. 
And um, I remember feeling miserable every single day. Like I remember feeling like, I remember feeling like, shit, let's be 100%. I got to switch this podcast to explicit so I can start saying what I want. But I felt like shit every day. I'm going to be completely honest. I really felt numb. I felt empty. I felt tired. I felt hollow. I felt like my life wasn't my life. I felt like I was letting years slip by doing unpurposeful, menial work. And that like the time that I wanted to spend on the things that I wanted to do, I didn't have enough energy when I got off work. Like it was, it was, it was a shitty situation. Let's just be keeping a buck fifty. But now, at this stage of life, I'm facing way bigger trials than I faced back then. And because I've committed to this life, because I've, this is the life I actually chose, and not a life that I was forced into, I feel free. I feel more joy than I ever felt. I feel, I feel alive. You know what I mean? I wake up in the morning and feel alive. I feel like you know my spirit, my body, like it's actually moving through me at this point. Like I feel like it's such a different feeling, man. I think everybody should pursue what it is that's in their heart. That's the only way life becomes worth living, in my personal opinion, in my personal experience. Okay. But uh, enough about that. What this podcast episode is going to be about, without further ado, is about, yeah, the culture of entrepreneurialism and how trash it is. It has to be abolished, you know, because the culture of entrepreneurialism is slowing down entrepreneurialism. And I say that as somebody who's not an entrepreneur. I don't have business. I don't own business. I don't do no business stuff or nothing like that. Um, even though, you know, we're trying to work towards the business launch. But let's not talk about that. We're not talking about that. Okay. But, man, I, every single day, this is one of my biggest problems in the world. Every single day I wake up and I hear the same stupid rehash, rebash, recash, renash, redash, reshash, reshack, rash stuff on the social media. Every single morning I wake up. It's very annoying. Like, literally, I thought Twitter was trash. I thought Twitter was full of idiots. But then you go to Instagram and it is even worse. Instagram is becoming Twitter because all people do is take pictures of tweets and post them on Instagram. Post their quote pics on Instagram. You know, you understand what I'm saying, right? You get on Instagram and somebody's saying, oh, grind, hustle, da 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 Oh, I'm a business coach. I'm a coach. I'm a coach. I do the coach thing. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a marketing agency. Uh, do you know how to fix your marketing agency? Oh, wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Because I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs. Hustle. No 9 to 5. Anti 9 to 5. Like, this entire culture of I'm an entrepreneur it is need to be abo- it needs to be abolished. Because it's hurting entrepreneurs. It's actually eliminating entrepreneurs from the world. It's eliminating innovation from the world. Okay? And I want to tell you why. But, you know, like everything else, I'm going to preface this one with a story, man. I remember when I was like... Where I learned to be part of this culture. Where I learned to take baby steps. And it actually has a lot to do with how humans grow up in human psychology and all that stuff. But for me, you know, where did this start, man? I, I'm a college dropout if you didn't know. I dropped out. My last day of school was May 20th of like 2016 or something like that. I had like a zero GPA, so I couldn't go back. They removed my financial aid. And I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to school. That's why I performed so poorly in school. Hashed it out with my parents. And I went on to the workforce. Went from job to job to job to job. But, you know, all in all, I remember it was late 2017 in December, okay? And I started working at the Target in September 14th of 2017, I believe. And I remember when I first started working there, like, I was just happy to get back to work. And I quit my first job, which was a place called Royal Farms, because it was, like, trash. And, like, like any job is just trash for me. It was, it was so restrictive of my freedom. Like I remember sitting at that job in the middle of the summer, looking out the like the glass windows, cooking chicken on a freaking fryer, and watching people coming from the summer and like, I like they wearing bikinis and they happy and they with their friends. The lightning bugs, which is my favorite favorite animals, my favorite bugs. 
of all time. They don't freaking have them in LA, so I have to go back to home. But I remember watching them like glow up outside and people coming in and sharing ice creams and stuff. They buying products and you know they're enjoying their life. They're enjoying their freedoms. And I'm just a washed up high school wrestler with no future, just sitting in this place. Like, and so I quit that job. Okay. And similarly, you know, getting into the next job. Well, that entire summer I was experimenting, trying to build this colossal music business and be like the new Jay Z. Like I was trying to be like. An artist. I wanted to be an artist, and I still do. You know, I'm building this entire memoir launch business to be so I can sell it and make music. Like, come on now, because you need money to make music, so you don't have to sign up record labels and sign away your rights, and so you can produce and be creative in an unfruitful venture as much as you want. Because that music is not something that's really profitable when you're starting up. You understand what I'm saying? That's why a lot of drug dealers become rappers because now they have money. Okay, but you know, I remember. Going, quitting that job and going into the summer and getting absolutely tore up that entire summer. Like, like that summer was like, uh, like you know what a meat grinder looks like, right? Now imagine meat, right? But it's going through the meat grinder, and so that's what it was like. I was, I got absolutely shredded that summer, shredded, decimated. Parents, friends, siblings, everybody just like, you are a freaking bum. You're not going to school. You don't have a job. I quit that job December 16th of 2016. Okay, no, December 1st of 2016. What am I talking about? December 1st of 2016. So I quit that job then, and like I got, so it was like eight months without a job or something like that. I was grinding, you know, I'm just making music, learning how to produce music, learning how to produce beats, writing raps over and over again. I have more than 2,000 raps on my phone. And I'm just like trying to record it in the basement, it's not coming out right. I'm trying to do everything on my own though. And uh, because I got tore up so bad, my morality was so low, and I just needed money. I was just tired of being beat up on. I was like, okay, September 14th of 2017, I was just like, pretty much just re- like my resignation. I was like, okay, I want to quit this entrepreneur thing, this dream, this vision for a little while. I'm just going to get a job. I just want to appease y'all. Get out of my hair. I don't want to live on the streets because y'all don't want me to live here when I don't have a job. So, this is the scenario. Um, what morning was it? What morning was it? I think the deepest thing to me at that point in time, you know, externally, obviously, you want the crowds, you want the recognition, you want the money. That's one of the things I always wanted the money just to just to live a regular life. I wanted money just to be able to be self-sustaining, you know, just to pay the bills, just to move out of my parents' house, pay the bills, live on my own, like, you know, have a nice car because I still don't have a car to this day, but have a nice car, like, take my girlfriend out, you know, and then just be able to have enough money left over to, like, work on my dream and things like that, you know, like, that was, that, you know, that was all I wanted, and I wanted that money to be independent of something that I did dislike, I didn't have to be a millionaire, but, you know, long-term, the long-term manifestation of that vision was I wanted to be somebody that was, like, very relevant to the world, like, someone like Elon Musk, someone like Owen Cook, somebody who's the one, someone's at the top of the mountain, someone that everybody looks up to, and, you know, but the depth of it was I wanted people to like these people after they sent me through the meat grinder, like the depth of my emotions was I feeling inside was I wanted them to be proud of me. I wanted people to accept me, I wanted people to love me. And I always say this over and over again, but this is this is such a true thing. You know? I just wanted peace in my life. That's all I wanted was peace. Silence. Even if you're not proud of me, just silence. Like, you know, just silence the haters. Like, you know what I mean? I wanted to stun on them. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, those were some of the most prevalent emotions. I remember just, you know. I need to make a business so I can get away from these jobs, so I can get away from these people, so I can explore the world, so I can do the things I wanted to do with my life. And even further, I wanted that to develop into something where I can fund my art and be like somebody in the world. Okay? I didn't want to be just another whatever. 
Okay. And so I remember it was one day, it was probably that December because the Beat Buddy system, my first business idea launched in uh, December. No, it launched on New Year's of 2018. That's when it launched. Okay. So it was that December or that uh, November or something like that. I remember it was just like a regular old day. Um, I got up um, probably at a little past 12 or something like that. I don't know because at first when I worked that job, I worked 12 to 5 in the morning or something like that. I'm sorry, we have a loud bozo coming by. But I worked like 12 to like 4.30 or something like that. And so I would sleep at like 11, but I woke up at like 12 a.m. at night. Mind you, it's December in Maryland or something like that. And so that means it's cold as a piece of freaking ice. And uh, I remember I, I woke up that day. I don't remember. My recollection of it was I woke up 12 a.m. Uh, or 11.30, whatever it was, 12.30, something like that. And everybody was asleep. It was pitch black in the house. And I got up just like always, 1.3 miles to work. I got up by my house, I dressed real quick. I never used to shower or brush my teeth or any of that before I went to work because work is just something, like work is for like, work is for sluts, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was a slut, that's what I was. And I just completely didn't care about it at all. I just would not brush my hair, I would not brush my teeth, I would not wash my face. Like, if I had, I had to be to work, it took me 30 minutes, I believe, to walk to work exactly. And so what that meant was that if I had to be to work at 12 o'clock, I would wake up at 11.30. And I would burn five minutes, three minutes, maybe getting dressed because all I would do was slap on a shirt and pants and my freaking tactical knife so I could cut box, box cutters, what you call it. And I would just run to work. And so literally what would happen every single morning is I would wake up, let's say, at 12. Uh, I would take five minutes, get, five minutes getting dressed. And then I would be five minutes late to work. And that was kind of like my system, like kind of wise, right? Um, terrible worker, man. You should never hire me for anything, by the way, if you listen to this podcast. But I remember just going out every morning, winter. I would have uh, like a red t-shirt because I work at Target. Khaki, like uh, jogger khakis, jogger chinos, whatever you call them. And I would have on top like that red t-shirt. I would have like a red thermal my brother had gave me. I wore a lot of hand-me-downs during my life, so shout out to my brother. And then I would have like my red Valentine's Day. My girl gave me a Valentine's Day hoodie a few years back when I was working at World Farm. She came in there with a bag on Valentine's Day because I had to work Valentine's Day. And she gave it to me, which was the most beautiful thing I ever experienced in my life amongst several other most beautiful things I ever experienced in my life. And um, I would wear that hoodie too. And then I would wear this bomber jacket I got from H&M. It was an olive color bomber jacket. Bad, bad jacket. Reversible. You know, had pockets that zipped up like bad jacket. And that's pretty much all I would wear most days. Jacket had oil stains and was tore up after a while. But I wear that jacket and I'd be proud of that jacket. And I would take my hoodie strings and I would squeeze them tight over my face. And most winter days, I would get out and it would be just so cold. I would either walk stiff like the 10 man or I would just flat out well, I would sprint home from work at 430 because... Believe it or not, at 12, it's cold in the middle of winter, but 12 before 30, it's super cold. And so, like, I would gear up and I would just sprint to work, boom, or I would walk to work. And I'd be walk briskly and just, I pretty much just accept the fact that I'm freezing to death. Um, and then, so, when I would get to work, I would come through, like, the side door. Whole store would be dark or dim because it's the middle of the night and we're, you know, night shift workers and we go to unload the truck. Once we unloaded the truck, we put them on the carts. We bring the carts to the floor, and we go to different aisles. And so I remember that morning, uh, that day particularly, um, we're not allowed to have our phones out at work, but I would just have my phone out anyway because I have to get a college education or else I'll die, according to the world. 
So this is the way I was getting my education, not a literal college education, but I would take out my phone and I would listen to podcasts and things like that to just kind of like learn a little bit about what was going on in the world and, um, you know, just stuff, stuff like that. And so what I was doing was I, I would um, take out the, the podcast and for some reason the first, I think this was like some of the first times I actually went to learn from podcasts. And so my first inclination was like, what is the way that people communicate with the world that, um, you know, just what is the way that people communicate with the world? How, how, did, how is it that like, because I've always felt in my life like I had like so many ideas, like so many gifts, so many talents, so many, so many things in my head that I heard and felt and resonated with. But I just had a complete inability to express them and get people to resonate with them, get people to understand them. And so like I would, um, what I would do is I would turn like, like, like so many different times, like I already said this in many different podcasts, I would just go and just regurgitate information on people. They wouldn't hear me. They wouldn't care or anything like that. And so what the scenario was with this is like, I was like, what is the word? How do I describe what I'm going through? Like, what is the channel to actually getting people to hear these ideas that I'm trying to communicate to them? Okay. And so what happened was I went to Spotify. First thing when I got there, my natural, my first inclination from listening to like all these guys that I look up to, admire, respected and all that stuff. You know, Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, all these different characters was just to learn about marketing. That's the first thing I thought. I wanted to learn about real estate too, but you know, the first thing I thought, like learn about marketing. And so I went to Spotify and I remember typing in, I was in the, you know, that aisle at Target that has like the, the deodorant and then has like the, like the men's shampoo and the men's like spice, old spice, like body wash and things like that. I was in that aisle. I believe it was 826. I can't remember accurately. I spent there for two years, but I have no memory from it because it's not a significant event in my life. Sorry, Target. But um, I remember just being in that aisle. I'm just like curious, like, how can I learn? Like, I hate this place already. It's only been a few months. How can I get out of this place? How can I escape from this freaking chamber? Just make a life that I can live like outside of this. How can I self-sustain? Okay. And you know when you, your natural inclination when you want to self-sustain is to get it quickly. I wanted to, like, let's like, like I, mean, I would leave work on Saturday or I would leave work on Friday and maybe I'll work again Monday and I would try like what plan can I come up with in this two days so I can never have to go back there again. And I remember that just that night, man, I was looking up. It was probably like 2 a.m. or something like that, a little bit before break. I actually didn't take a break my first day, but I took a break that day. Just looking up, okay, marketing. And the first thing that popped up was Russell Brunson's Marketing Secrets podcast. Quickly, I just started ripping, like, that's when I first learned about everything regarding the marketing. Like, everything. Like, man, I've learned so much about, like, like literally, I've gone through, like, every podcast episode Russell Brunson ever, ever released because his ideas were, are just so amazing. And at the time, they were so foreign to me, something I had never known. And, like, you know, when you binge something, you get excited about it, you just go to implement it. Like, I was stuck in that cycle for years and years and years and years and still stuck in that cycle over and over again. But, like, I just started downloading all this different information about marketing and making funnels and how you can make business online. And, you know, I started getting this brilliant idea in my head, like, okay, when the New Year's Eve come around, this is going to be my year. 2018 is going to be my year. I'm going to make this beat buddy business. I'm going to kill it. It's going to be the most insane thing in the world. I'm going to make a funnel for it. All these different things. I didn't know what a funnel was at the time. But I was going to, I'm just like, I'm going to make an online business around this stuff. I started getting like super excited. Like all this different stuff. So I'm listening to this podcast. And I'm listening to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again every single day. Like it was something I look forward to. I actually like started enjoying work. Because all I have to do is like mindlessly open box and listen. And download this information. Just get educated and learn and learn and learn. And um, 
I remember, you know, at the end of his podcast, he would always say, hey, go get my book, .com Secrets. Go get my Expert Secrets. Go get my book, blah, 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 blah. Go get all these books that I have. They're free books. They're absolutely free. All you got to do is pay shipping and handling. And so I'm getting a check every week at the time. I'm like, okay, I'll get his book. And that's the first time I experienced what he was talking about in real life. Like, does anybody remember the first funnel they ever experienced? Like, I listened to this podcast. He's like, it's a funnel. Like, do the funnel thing. And, like, I went to the expertsecrets.com or .comsecrets.com. I believe I got .comsecrets first. I'm actually absolutely sure about that. Um, which you can get through my affiliate link. I get paid for that type of stuff. Which is, uh, Expert Secrets is, I think, the best marketing, marketing book of all time. Which I'm coming out with a book of my own. And you can actually read my book early. Which is uh, about some pretty cool stuff on, in itself. If you want to read my book early, all you have to do is uh, send me a DM about it. On uh, well, you have to like and rate this podcast, and then you have to post the rating and the the message you left on the podcast, and tag me on on Instagram, and I'll give you early access for this book for free. This is it's insane. Let me read the headline for my book to you, man. It's about you know getting your ideas out into the world in the form of mass movements. You know, some cool stuff. <laughs> so what is the title of this book? Let me find it. Um, you're like, why don't you know the title of your book? You know, it doesn't matter. Mind your business. I don't have to know the title of my book if I don't want to. Uh, yeah, it's the Designer Manifesto. A guide to properly building a cult-like attention around your unpopular opinion in the noisy post cancel culture internet era. You're like, what do you know about that type of stuff? I don't know. Who knows? I don't care. <laughs> I don't know much about anything, apparently. But, um, yeah, go and cop my book if you want. But, um, yeah, I remember downloading Dotcom Secrets and just seeing, like, the action of a funnel and, like, all this type of stuff. And, like, man, and this was the time in history where, like, all this stuff was coming in my timeline about these different young and youthful entrepreneurs went into making 20 grand a month and Samir Shabane and Ty Lopez, like, all these Lamborghinis and stuff. And I want this world. I want to play part in it. And so I remember um, seeing that stuff coming down the timeline and went to get this book. And he said, funnels is the best way to get that life. And like I buy the book and then like I buy the book and then another page comes up, which is like, you know, at the first he had the order form up. You want the audio book and I buy it. And then it comes to the next page. He's like, you want these three books? And I'm like, no, I can't afford that. And then another page came up. He was like, you want this course? And I was like, I can't afford that either. But I'm seeing like these page after page after page after page. And I'm just, it, that was the moment it clicked in my mind what funnels are built for. I'm like, how much money can he make from this page? That's absolutely insane. Okay. Which it is, the way he sets up funnels is something super impressive. Super, super, super impressive. He's a, a madman with that. But that wasn't the thing that put me in all the most. I bought the dot-com secrets. And when you buy the dot-com secrets, he sends over email, which is like 10 hours worth of video, which I watched all in one day. I remember it was a cloudy day just laying in my bed. It was like 10 hours worth of videos about everything about funnel building, all the basics. But then I went and bought expert secrets, I believe, probably that April or something like that. This was long after the Beat Buddy system launched, which I should have bought expert secrets first because I said it's like my favorite marketing book favorite book in human history in my person being the best book in human history and so i remember getting expert secrets but what expert secrets does when you get expert secrets what it does is send you an email to something called the funnel hacks webinar okay and this is where my entire life changed because i remember looking at that funnel hacks webinar and uh you know he teaches you all this like it's a webinar so he breaks down your false beliefs and gives you those epiphanies that like change your life like oh my god you can do this with this and this, 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 this you know what epiphany is if you listen to this freaking podcast and you know who russell brunson if you don't go study russell brunson or listen to this podcast either one listen to more episodes i'm not going to explain what the epiphany bridge story is for you but 
you know, he sends you, to, so I'm listening to this Funnel Hacks webinar, I hear his origin story, you can make extreme amounts of money, and then he goes to, like, the first secret in the Funnel Hacks webinar, if I can look it up, um, I want to look up the first secret for you so I can tell you exactly what it says, but it's like a slideshow, with a webinar, if you don't know what a webinar is, it's like a slideshow, where they sell you stuff at the end, and, okay, so the first secret was, let me see, I'm just like, Funnel Hacks webinar, Secret one. If I could find a secret for you, this would make a lot of sense, okay? Let's see. Funnel X webinar. Funnel X webinar. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Alright, I'm not gonna. Okay, it's how to ethically steal over $1 million worth of funnel hacks from your competitors for over for under $100. And so he launches into this story, like, you know, which is completely epic about, like, how you can, like, you can, like, if you want to build a funnel that functions, essentially all you have to do is look at the funnels that are already functioning in your fucking, like, in your freaking marketplace. Like, you know, and all you have to do is spend money, like, and buy what's in your competitor's funnel. And he would share this, like, so what, they call it funnel hacking, okay? Basically what it is, like, if you want to be like, let's say I was a good wrestler, I was a regional champion. What I all I did as a wrestler was look at my coach and do exactly what he did. I just modeled after him. Okay, same thing. So if there are three components to like making a successful business online, okay, there's like your website, there's uh your traffic source, which is like where you're getting people to come from, and then it's like your email, then it's like how you're retargeting them. Okay, and so every successful business, uh. You know, there's already, te- already like every successful business, every industry has a successful business who has the most optimal template for doing so. Like you can go out and create and do something completely entirely random, right? You can you can be creative, you can be completely random, but that would be the equivalent of me as a wrestler making up moves. Why do I make up moves when the proven moves that work the best already freaking exist, right? And so, this is the same principle applies to online. Just look at what's already making money in your industry, okay? And just kind of model after that. What are the principles behind that actually working and performing? And so if they have a landing page with this type of headline and this copy on it and this type of video, ideally if you use that for yourself, you get the same results. That's pretty much the entire idea from it. And that is something, that is a principle that's true and a principle that actually works. Okay, he was describing like how like uh, he, he was building a supplement funnel. I think it was for like NeuroCell or something like that. It was a supplement that he was selling, and uh, he didn't have any idea how to sell his funnel and make it profitable. And so he went to the people in his competitors in the industry, and he looked at their funnel. Their funnel was like they sold a bottle of the supplement, but then on the next page is an upsell. They sold like eight bottles of the supplement or something like that. And he was like, "This is stupid. Why? Why would you ever do that?" Do that? But then he modeled it, and it worked, and he was converting better and making a lot more money because upsells were working. And because he just looked at what was already working. Look at who was making money and just did what they did, okay? Which is a lot of what business is about. And so with that idea, they call it funnel hacking, but really the basis of funnel hacking is modeling. Just like in any other, you do this as a child. This is a fundamental way we learn and perform as human beings. Um, If you think about it like as a child, like you look at your parents, like your child like crawling around on the floor, like eating like Gerber and things like that. And you look at your parents and like, what are your parents doing? Your parents are walking, your parents are talking. All you do is like, look at them, look at what you're doing, look at them, look at what you're doing. And like, you try to like, uh, find a way to like mimic them in a way. Like every like thing is like, I remember a few years ago, my brother was like, 
you know, every time somebody does something, ask them, why'd you learn that? I'm like, why would I ask them that? And he was like, because everything that you feel has come from somewhere else in the world. Everything that you've learned has come from somewhere else. You always look in and check, you know, in, 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 in modeling the behaviors in, of other people, just like when you're a kid, just like in wrestling. Every, like everybody like looks at something and does exactly what that person does. And that's how they get to the next level. That's their, like, that's how they change. I mean, that's how they advance. You look at the best person in your industry and you just do what they do. Okay. And so me being somebody who wants stability, who wants a life for myself, who wants just even like the normal necessities of space and time to think and work on things that I really cared about and to make money doing so. Like, uh, and like I said, just, just the feeling of having some success and having the ball moving. Like that's something that like super appealed to me off the bat because it was basically saying if I just model what already worked. Like in wrestling, I couldn't, like, because when I was a senior as a wrestler, I was a regional champion, like I said, and I won that title by beating wrestlers that wrestled their entire freaking life. You literally accelerate, like, you know, they spent so many time innovating just to learn that technique, and you just learn it right today by just looking at them. And so that idea was, like, I could accelerate because that's how you feel at the beginning. You know, you're, short, you're short-sighted at the beginning of everything, and you want, you just want to live as quickly as possible. You want life as quickly as possible, you know what I mean? And so modeling seemed like the, the way to do it like i can use this stuff that he's teaching me because i don't have to go through the trouble of learning it and making it my own i could just borrow it from somebody else and that was the kind of idea that that was that was brought home and so i remember like you know my business idea was the beat buddy system and i wanted the beat buddy system in 2017 to take off the ground quickly and so i started learning like a super amount like just about the industry and the people that exist in my industry and like you know, um, one of the people that I looked at, uh, you know, there were so many people selling beats at the time. You know, it was like Anno Domini or something like that. It was a bunch of different beat makers selling beats. Okay. And uh, my only skill that I knew how to do was sell beats. So I just wanted to be a beat seller naturally. And uh, so I looked like, I'm just looking like, who is like, I have this idea, but is anybody doing this idea that I'm talking about? And I just remember researching all day on the internet. And I came across this people called Legion Beats. And Legion Beats, I think uh, Gabe Schilling is the guy that owns Legion Beats. And they actually made a million dollars. They got the two comic cup award that I so desperately wanted. Um, I learned this probably like last year in July when I was, you know, living with my girlfriend and her mother and all that confusion that I talked about in all the other episodes of the podcast. Uh, but I remember like choosing him. Like he's my competitor. His site looks like he's making money. I want to model after him, man. I, I remember making a website on like Wix or something like that, which completely showed because I couldn't, in my mind, I couldn't afford $97 a month click funnels. And um, I remember like just formulating everything I did after what Gabe Schilling was doing on Legion Meets. I like the way his websites was oriented. I oriented them that way. The places he would get in traffic, I was trying to get traffic the same way. You know, I don't know what his ads look like, but I made ads that I imagined he would make. And like, I just kind of made this carbon copy of what he had in order to compete with him and or to start, to start making money off the bat. Because you just, in the beginning, you just want freedom so badly from everything that you're experiencing. Like, has some, is, am I just talking trash or do you do relate to that? Like you want it immediately. Like, the, the, the fastest thing for you is to quench the fires that are in your lifestyle right now, you know, and to get freedom and start working on the things that you care about and things that are in your heart. And that was exactly what I was experiencing. And so I remember just modeling everything after Gabe Schilling. And then I started running ads to it. And, you know, immediately off the bat, I'm not going to lie, like there was a little buzz around the B-Buddy system. Like the B-Buddy system wasn't like, it wasn't a failure. Like, it, you know, I think if I would have known a little bit about marketing and that you don't, 
always become profitable front and the different tactics and strategies around it, I think that would have actually been a very, very successful business, you know, because it was something that only me and like Gabe Schilling were doing. But I quit because I, you know, I didn't understand it. I was like, I'm filling up this email list. I got like 300 people in my email list, but I'm not making any money and I just want money right now. And so it was like April or May of 2018 where I just stopped interacting with the BeatBuddy system, okay? In front of the BeatBuddy system because I was being indoctrinated into the culture of entrepreneurship, you know, uh, because I was being indoctrinated into the culture of entrepreneurship, I started doing what like entrepreneurs do. You know, I started, I'm, first thing I made, I scammed, I fraud, I was a snake oil salesman. My father accused me of this and I, I apologize to you if I refuted you, you're absolutely right. I was a snake oil salesman. The first thing I started to do was I started to make a digital marketing course. And I remember I spent that entire summer of 2018 making a digital marketing course. 2018, October came and I'm so excited. I'm like, baby, we, I'm going to be able to quit my job at Target. I'm not even going to work here for that long. Uh, I'm going to sell this course and I'm going to be rich. I made this digital marketing course because that's what people in my industry were already doing. You know, I could just model them and I modeled everything around them and I tried to sell the course, boom, put it out to the world and no one even bought it. Like, I, man, which really, really sucked. Like, I was paying a lot of money to have ClickFunnels on and automate that course and everything else under the sun. And I put it out to the world and, like, no one even cared. And, like, I was like, okay, what do we do next? And then following that summer up into 2019, I just started a social media marketing business because I remember taking Ty Lopez's. I remember I came back from Miami super inspired when uh, it was my girlfriend, me and my girlfriend's third year anniversary and we went to Miami. And coming back from Miami, I don't even know where I got, like, I had, like, a bag or something like that. For Maybe it was, like, a paycheck from, like, not being there or something like that. It was like a $200 paycheck or something. And I remember buying Ty Lopez's social media marketing course. I'm like, okay, this works for Ty Lopez. He gave me the entire blueprint of what he's doing and what everybody else is doing, what his students are doing. If I just mimic this, it'll work. If I just model after this, it'll work. And I remember just like modeling everything that they did for social media marketing business, going door to door. I remember I actually got one client for $100 a month, which was my boxing coach. But, you know, I was struggling like emailing place after place. I emailed like Sheffield, uh, A&V, which is like a music place in, in, in uh, Baltimore. I, I, I tracked all the names of these different music places in the Baltimore city. Uh, lineup room. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. I was just messaging a bunch of music studios because those are the people I wanted to network with. And so I was messaging them like, yo, I can do this social media marketing for you. I was making like this big slideshow and just sending it out to them. And at the end of it saying like, call me or something like that or email me back. or And no one ever responded to me. And so that social media marketing business was the next third business I did and it just failed also. And after that, I, I was kind of confused. Like I kind of felt like I lost my way or something like that. Like I, I didn't really know what was going on. I was taking the principles and really the exact template of what was working, what was successful already. I was modeling after it. I was funnel hacking it perfectly. And for some reason, it just wasn't functioning the same way for me. And I remember feeling like, I remember it was coming up on late 2019. No, 2019 is when I left it here. Huh. When was this? When was this? Maybe it was late 2018. Going into 2019. Because 2019 is when I started freelance writing. Which is like really was, was a bad moment because I started freelance writing on Fiverr because I just literally just quit. Like I'm like, I can't figure out traffic. I can't figure out sales. I can't figure out how to make a sales message. This is going to make me make money immediately and that's what I need. And I just want money right now. That's pretty much why I started ghostwriting on Fiverr um, because I couldn't figure out how to run a business. So I just wanted to be a freelancer and just make money off that. But, you know, coming up on that place in time, which I guess was late winter of 2018, like, I kind of just felt, like, hopeless, like, 
Like I'm just so lost. Like I'm doing everything that you said. I'm copying success. I'm, 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 I'm modeling after success. I'm funnel hacking. I'm doing exactly what the winners are doing. But for some reason, it's not working for me. Like it's working for them. And I remember just feeling so lost in the dark and frustrated and like not really sure how this is going to work. Like we all start off business with the idea of like primarily. I just want to be where I want to be in life. I just want to be on the path already, okay? But beyond that, we all start with this identity, like, and we or we grow, rather. We grow into this identity of being somebody. Like, we want to be somebody in the world. We want to be number one. We want to, you know, and we want to feel, we want the society around us to feel like we're number one. We imagine, like, returning to our five-year high school graduation. Everybody, like, oh, my God, is you. You know, there was a lot of narcissism around it. And I remember just thinking about people like Russell Brunson, Owen Cook, like I'm just like them. All these people, all these people who start businesses a year and, you know, they got the statistics that like 70% of businesses fail within the first year or the first five years, 99% fail or something like that. I'm like, I'm not like them. I'm like, I'm different. Like I'm going to make the biggest business the, fa- the fastest. It's going to be incredible and all these things. I'm, like, I'm a true innovator. I'm a creative. I'm a designer. Like, I'm feeling all these different things and years flow by and I'm like, man, it's taking me really long to start a business and everybody else blew their business up their drop shipping business or whatever the heck else overnight and i started i feel like look look at myself like a certain type of way like am i dumb like is, is there something wrong with me i really wasn't understanding why everything wasn't working either despite the fact that i was modeling the best systems and the best information and the best products i was doing it all to a t and they were having success with it and i wasn't and i really wasn't clear on what it was and so I remember just sit. I, I kind of just quit after a while. Like I said, I remember sitting back and just thinking, and thinking, and thinking about it. And I really couldn't figure out the answer. Okay, the answer I believe, but I, I remember you know at the time I just kept listening to different podcasts. I would listen to the Sales Funnel Radio uh, with Steve Larson. I would listen to Your Next Million with Frank Kern. I would listen to to like. Um, you know, uh, the Marketing Secret Show with uh, Russell Brunson. And I remember, of all feelings, man, the, one of the biggest feelings I felt was just like, you know, with everybody and with everything, there are, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, people out in the world. And we hear them, we listen to them. Like I always say, it feels like they have a tuning, like a frequency tuning device that penetrates into our mind. And everybody else we just don't care about. Like they're like NPCs, randoms. And we always feel like we're the people at the top of the mountain. We feel like we're the 1%. We feel like we're innovative. We feel like we're we're just different. You know, there's so many entrepreneurs in the world. So many entrepreneurs, the annoying ones that pop on the internet all day. They're like, oh, I'm a coach. I'm a marketing like expert. Marketing this. Da, 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 da. And like those like, the, like they're like dumb. Like we don't like them. Like they're like, they're just noise. They don't really count for anything. No one cares about them. But then we have people like Elon Musk, people like Russell Brothers, people who are special. People who just feel different. And we assume those are those, we are those people. And I remember just feeling like the 99% of people that no one listens to. I felt like I was putting every, my, my voice, you know, whereas I couldn't explain to my parents and everybody around me. I felt like I had people, a culture on the internet that would just automatically understand me. And I remember putting my voice out into the world over and over and over again. And I felt like I was just contributing to the noise. Like my message wasn't unique, like nobody cared and I was just like everybody else and like I was just part of that noise, a part of that dumb 99% that just flaps their gums all day and no one actually wants to listen to. And it started to hurt my morale. Like I, I, you know, I just, you know, you just start to feel like after a while you went wrong somewhere. Like I've never really felt like I went wrong. I never really felt like I wanted to quit because I've always been resilient and I've always just pushed through every feeling. But you know, these thoughts come across your mind. They sneak into your head. Sometimes you just feel numb. 
I remember so many times that last when I just felt numb. Like I hit a dead end. Like I just frustrated. Like, okay, I've done everything. I don't know what to do. Like I literally don't know what to do next. What is the next step? What am I missing? I've checked every box off. What is it? You know, I remember just feeling in that place of frustration. But I've trudged on just listening to these different podcasts and these different people. And I think it wasn't until like in that pit of despair, in that dark place. Like I remember just listening. Who, who said it first? Huh? Who was it? I guess the way the first idea popped in my head when I was listening to this, uh, well, I was reading the Expert Secrets book and it said, start with a new opportunity. The Expert Secrets book is big on one thing. If you want to start a mass movement, or if you want to start a business in general, you have to make a niche. Okay, what a niche is, is that there's a mainstream idea or a mainstream business. And then you move away from that mainstream business, which is like, so the mainstream business or mainstream category is like wealth. But inside of wealth, you got like, uh, like a subcategory, like like real estate. But inside real estate, you've got house flipping. A house flipping would be a niche. And what the expert secrets was big on, which was like creating a niche. Okay, um, something like um, uh, something like uh, what am I even saying? <laughs> what expert secrets book was was big on is creating a niche, create, creating a new opportunity. Okay, and I remember just reading that in Expert Secrets and not really understanding. I kind of glazed over, and I'm like, okay, I'm 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 a marketing guy, but maybe I'm like, like I'm a marketing guy, but the way I present the information is twisted. Like it's just a little twist on it. And a lot of us do that. A lot of us like, you know, we get online and we get on the internet. And so many different freaking Instagram pages, dude. It's like I'm the marketing guy, but I'm the marketing guy in blue. You know, we changed the logo. We got a different logo from everybody else. We're a different person. We got a different personality. You know, and I, I remember just doing a lot of this stuff. I Frankly, I remember doing a lot of this stuff. You know, well, I'm going to be authentic in my ad. You know, I'm going to sell a marketing course, but, you know, my brand is going to be cool. It's going to be blue and green, and my logo is going to look like this, and my page is going to look like this, and I'm going to speak differently and just be excited, and, like, I'm different from the rest of those guys. Like, we rely a lot on brand. That's, that's, that's how I'm going to niche out. My brand is going to be different. The personality of my business is going to be different. Okay? You know, I, I remember just feeling like like this, like just the brand would carry it. Like this colors and this patterns and like it's going to be so aesthetically pretty and everybody would just flock to it because it's aesthetically pretty. And I remember hitting that wall over and over and over again like, man... Like, I'm just noise. Like, I'm just a background character. No one cares. Like, no one's crowding around this, around this. No one thinks I'm unique and just wondering why. And I remember reading Expert Secrets over and over and over again, looking over that niche page and just thinking, like, okay, I'm niche down enough. Okay, I'm not going to talk about marketing. I'm going to talk about this part of marketing. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about marketing, but let's talk only about funnels. Russell Brunson does it. This is more exclusive. This is a niche. I'm going to talk about funnels or maybe, uh, I'm going to be the webinar guy. I'm going to talk about webinars or, you know, um, you know, we just try to niche down in such weird, strange ways. Like, okay, this Russell Brunson, he's the funnel guy. Well, what can I be? Hmm. I'm going to be, I want to be the ebook guy. Okay. I'm going to be ebook guy. Like I've tried so many different verticals and so many different ways around the issue. And it's like, just hitting the wall, eh, eh, eh. you put out that message, boom, you publish it, you boom, you publish that podcast, and no one cares, no matter how differently your personality is, no matter how different the colors your is, you know, it's so many people like, especially like as a black dude, I'll say this, like, okay, there's a cell phone business, I'm the first black owned cell phone business, that's my brand, 
you know, uh, video, uh, I seen it today, like, uh, it was like a, a streaming service for African Americans, like, uh, like a black streaming service, like, something like that, and, like, people think, like, and that's something I experienced, I remember feeling that way, this is a brand, and it's different because it's for black people, or this is for only this population, or it's only for entrepreneurs, and it, it, it's only for this, that, or it's a supplement, but it's only for, like, just feeling like, you know, changing the angle on the same exact product was going to make it different. Is a lot of what I felt. And I remember le- reading over that niche and really just not understanding it. I remember feeling like just kind of tumbling along through life, feeling completely depleted, running ads and having nothing work, you know, making a webinar and having it not work, building a different type of business, having it not work, but always throughout the entire project as a consensus and consistency, modeling after Russell Brunson. I was modeling after Frank Kern. I was trying all their tactics, trying all their strategies, doing exactly what they you know, pretty much said to do, making the exact same business and the products that I seen already selling because I felt like that, that's what worked best. And I remember just feeling deflated after a while and just really coming to a slow burn when it didn't work time after time after time after time. I've probably tried at least like freaking, I don't know, 10 or more different product ideas I've been running. And it was like two years span of time. I spent like $5,000 on ads and you know, really didn't I didn't get a single sale. Not really did I didn't get a single sale and it was I remember feeling completely deflated and this continued up until twenty twenty. Okay? It was twenty twenty when I first started getting small little tiny sales through a different means and a different method. Okay, but that was around writing. But I remember I don't remember what day it was, but I remember seeing that niche thing in, in the blue ocean strategy and knowing all that in my head. But it wasn't till around this year, probably like, or 2019 really, probably like around late November or something like that, where I was just watching this Stephen Law. Like, I remember going back and forth to the library when I lived with my girl and her mother. Mother, You know, I would go down to the library um, when my girlfriend was at work because I didn't have a job. And I would just try to hustle and try to figure out a way to make life less miserable and like just to make it all work. And I remember sitting on the computer every day. And I was watching the like the, the interviews from the 30-day challenge that Russell did. If we go to ClickFunnels on FunnelFlix, he has like 30-day challenge interviews. And the question he asks the people he interviews is like, so if you were to lose it all, how would you make it back in 30 days with just a ClickFunnels account? And so I remember watching like these interviews in a row. And I come across Stephen Larson's interview. I watched it. Didn't think much of it. Uh, what well, I thought it was brilliant because Stephen Larson is brilliant. But I remember watching that same interview. But this time I remember like... You know, I started getting to see Larson around like a lot around that time. And I remember going to YouTube and seeing like a version of that same interview. Where he was talking about the interview and what he said in the interview and his 30 day plan all over again. And I remember just watching like the interview kind of mindlessly, like just kind of hearing what he was saying. And I remember in the interview, there was a section where he paused and kind of talked about funnel hacking, kind of talk about modeling. Okay. And he said something that really stood out to me in a very, very different way than I've ever heard before. He said, dot-com secrets tells you to model. It tells you to, to funnel hack. It tells you to look at the principles of what's actually happening and model them to a T. Don't copy the actual infrastructure. Don't copy. Model the principles. Model the templates. Okay? And then he said, which is he pointed out like an inconsistency that I know I've never noticed. He said, in this book, Expert Secrets, what it tells you is to create something entirely new create a new opportunity create a niche something that hasn't existed yet and I'm like yeah okay true and then he said but what people don't recognize is that you're supposed to use them together okay and when he said that nothing clicked in my brain 
and I just I just went on with my life, okay? But for some reason, failure after failure, month after month, my mind was just drawn back to that video because the idea, he's, like, I felt like I was missing something in the idea. I remember I watched the video a second time. Didn't really think nothing of it. Watched it the third time. Didn't think nothing of it. Watched it the fourth time. And like around the fourth or fifth time when he said that, something just clicked in my mind like, wait a minute. Oh my God. What he was, and this is what he called it. He said what a lot of people do is they make a red ocean. They model exactly what's been done. And so they're in a state of competition. I'm just paraphrasing, by the way. Like, you know, they're in the red ocean. Okay, the red ocean is the, the market that already exists. Like, let's say if the market is selling courses on marketing products. What people do is they model the exact product. They model the exact, they model everything. And so they're selling a course about marketing products. And so they're competing in the red ocean on the basis of price. Okay, because your product is your product has no no unique advantages, so you must be like uh, I guess I have to break down this entire thing because you won't really understand it without the context of it. This is pretty much what he said in ocean uh, in ocean in the video. He said there are there's there's a red ocean and there's a blue ocean. Okay, but what a red ocean is is a mainstream market. Okay, a market that they call it like like a market where a market of one, or like one homogenous idea, okay? It's just the mainstream market. It's a mainstream idea. What everybody's already doing, the oversaturated market, okay? So, you know, the Red Ocean is like, they call it the Red Ocean because imagine like, you know, the businesses in the market are sharks and the customers in the water are fish. And if it's too many sharks, they're just killing all the fish and the Red Ocean is the fish blood everywhere. All the businesses in the red, red Ocean are pretty much the same. And so if you're like a business coach and somebody else is a business coach, you're in the red market of business coaching. Okay? And so what he said after that was there are three personalities of that Red Ocean. Okay? And so the three personalities are the person who, you know, I'm going to kind of speed through this because I know y'all heard it so many different times in other podcast episodes if you've been listening to the podcast and keep them up with it. You know, the three personalities of the Red Ocean is the people who are diehard fans of the Red Ocean. They love it. You know, they don't see any problem with it. And the second person in the Red Ocean is the person who is like, and eh, like they're so-so, you know, they don't really care about the Red Ocean. They're just going to go anywhere that has the best price for them. And the third person in the Red Ocean is, the third personality is the people that absolutely hate the Red Ocean. They're dying for another opportunity. Okay. And so an example of this is like the Red Ocean in the 2000s was websites. There were so many different website creators or ways to create websites. It's all one homogenous idea though, websites. And that's a Red Ocean. Some people love websites. They didn't have a problem with it. Some people, eh, whatever's the best price. Okay, they, they were satisfied. And there were the people who absolutely hated websites because they couldn't make money with them and do anything with them. And so what, what Russell Brunson did with ClickFunnels was he said he targeted that people, the people that hated websites and didn't have an alternative. He said, y'all still using those websites? This is the death of websites. The new website, the next evolution is it's a funnel. And so we have this product that helps make funnels, click funnels. And so the people who hated that Red Ocean instantly went over to click funnels because they had a new opportunity. Because they already hated the Red Ocean, they had no resistance. They just flowed over naturally. Okay. And so he said there are three personalities of the Red Ocean. And what you're supposed to, what, what, what many people propose, or what expert secret propose, proposes rather, is that you're supposed to make a blue ocean. Okay, you want to create a blue ocean for yourself. You want to look at the red ocean and everything that's happening to it, and you want to create a completely separate new idea. 
You want to go to a blue ocean where there are no sharks, there are no businesses like yours in that ocean. So you have monopoly over that ocean. You have a completely free reign and new idea. No one, in, like, like everybody else is a business coach, so you go and do something entirely different so you have no competitors at all. That's what a blue ocean is. An ocean without competition. Okay, or a, pl- a market without competition. The ocean is just representative of markets. And so what he said was that you take expert secrets and dot-com secrets. Dot-com secrets says, look, model, the if they're business coaches and that's working, they're already making money, model being a business coach. Expert secrets says make something new. And he said, what you're supposed to do is use them together. And what he calls that is a purple ocean offer. Okay? And what he means by using them together is model what's working in the red ocean already. That people, that the third personality of the red ocean, that hate the red ocean, model, take the elements of the red ocean that they like. Because there are things that they like about it. But then look at what they hate about it and use what they hate as a guide to create something new. You understand what I mean? And so, you know, here's a kind of a way to look at it. People, the red ocean right now is like automobiles, just cars. And so people like the shape and the look of cars. People like how fast cars can go. They like speed. They like the mileage. They like the distance. You know, that's the red ocean. They like all those things about it. But there are certain people in the red ocean. There's a population in the red ocean of cars, automobiles, that hate the fact that they destroy the environment. And so you take, okay, car, fast, safe, everything that people love about cars. And you keep that. But then you make a blue ocean by... Oh, let's, not, let's, let's add something new. Let's not make them destroy an environment. So you make them electric. Are you getting this idea? Is this, are you understanding this? And so this, I remember just like listening to this video and him having him explain this. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? And I, I started thinking about all these scenarios like you might be thinking of now. And so essentially what that does is that since you took, you, you know, making a blue ocean, make something that's never have been done because it's not tested. There's no data on it. It's completely risky. You'll probably lose money just testing something that you thought was cool. But when you take something that they all love and make something new on the basis of what they need and desire, then suddenly you have an offer that's new that the red o- that people who hate the red ocean will eat up. But it's also safe. Like it's safe because it has everything that they love. They already love the model of a car. You just made it electric, Elon Musk. You know, which is a brilliant idea. And when he said that, it started to click in my brain a little bit. Like, wait a minute. So, all this noise is happening on social media. That's the red ocean, right? And what I've been doing historically is just modeling the red ocean and creating another red ocean business or another red ocean offer, okay? If people were business coaches or running social media marketing agencies, I just try to run a social media marketing agency like them. And I just try to be better with quote unquote brand colors and things like that which brand doesn't matter at all okay like I remember just sitting there just having that epiphany in my head like I'm literally contributing all this noise and being a part of this noise because I'm modeling after the noise or because I'm looking at somebody who is innovative because they were the first to do it and I'm copying them, which makes me the second to do it, or the third to do it, or the fourth, or the thousandth to do it. And if they're the first innovator, like all these people, like freaking, I'm not even going to name some of these people, trying to make electric cars after Elon Musk. 
they're part of the red ocean. Elon Musk was the first to do it. So he's part of the blue or the purple ocean. But everybody's copying him. It's just like a freaking phony knockoff. Okay? It's like looking at like a lot, like looking at Target and like, I'm gonna make a grocery store, make a retail store. It's just a phony knockoff. It no longer works because they're already what they call the category king of that sector. It's a complete red ocean and they've dominated the red ocean. And there's no more fish because all the, they're the biggest shark. They've already got a head start and there's just scraps left for everybody to eat. And I was just coming over and over and over again into this arena and eating the scraps back to back to back to back to back. And like that's that that like that just blew my mind when he said that like that. And I remember just having it click. And I remember just scrambling like that, that was one of the reasons why this January as a writer, I shut down the business that I was running entirely. Okay, I, I wasn't making any money. I made like two, two grand from a sale. I was on, you know, talking my way through another sale, which I wasn't really liking the interaction the way it was going. So I kind of let that one go. But I just stopped taking sales altogether because I realized, wait, I'm building a business that's just going to contribute more to the noise and will never be the king of this market. It'll never be the big business. It'll, I'll never be the one. I'll never be the Russell Brunson. I'll never be the Owen Cook. Because all I'm doing is modeling with this exact same business model what I've already seen and what have all, has already been used time and time and time again. I'm literally sealing my own fate. I'm literally writing, like, I'm, I'm creating my own casket, essentially. And I had that thought click into my head and I realized exactly what I was doing. And so to this very day, I haven't rebooted that business, but I'm working on creating what the new offer is going to be. I've just started to step back as a ghostwriter and like, okay, ghostwriting is a red ocean. You know, what do people hate about ghostwriting and how can I use that to create an entirely new thing? An entirely new idea altogether. And so that's kind of what I've been analyzing. So we've led to this place on this journey. We'll see probably next month how this can be created. But it's, you know, ever since hearing that, like it's completely opened my eyes. I'm like looking around on social media and like I'm realizing all these different businesses, like, like a lot of people are building businesses that can be million, $10 million businesses. But the fact of the matter is they're trapping themselves in low level opportunities where they can never be the one because of the sheer nature of it. You know? These businesses will never be billion-dollar businesses because they're building in a market, they're building an opportunity where someone else is already category king, where somebody else already rules. But I'm just looking around me and I'm like, I'm in a complete freeze and stasis because I'm like, and, and that, that also changed the way I thought of it all because I'm, I'm realizing like what I'm doing is not innovative. It's not innovation. So I've stopped. I hold to the business. I'm just like, screw the business because it, I feel like that's what fuels a lot of us. I'm just reevaluating my own personal history. But a lot of us, we get into business and we model because we want the money fast. We just want the life that we want fast. We want to be out of pain. We want to be out of pain and be at a place where we're comfortable. And so we try to get the money fast, which is modeling. But modeling leads us to get the money fast, but caps us off at getting the money at a low level. It caps us off from actually being impactful in reaching people. Because essentially what we're doing is, okay, social media marketing businesses, they're already paying. So we, can, we know we can get paid with this business. But the fact of the matter is when we replicate a business that already exists, we don't 
affect society we don't affect the customer bases in the world in a different way we just give them more of what they what they already have we just contribute more to you know the saturation of the market i remember hearing elon musk <laughs> elon musk stephen larson present this idea and immediately what i started doing i started diving deep into it i started reading books like play bigger then i started reading books like zero to one by peter thiel and a lot of these books covered in extreme detail what he was talking about what the book Zero to One is about is that, uh, man, I want to talk about this book in a bit, but I just want to say that, and this is why the culture of entrepreneurialism is a bad thing. Because what culture is, in essence, is the, 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 the customs and traditions of a group, okay? But customs and traditions are the opposite of innovation, if you really think about it. And so what we see is that a bunch of beginner entrepreneurs are creating customs and traditions, you know, what is commonly done because they're looking at what is done by an innovator. You look at an innovator, you see this is what he's doing and you copy it, you model it. And a bunch of people modeling it, making customs and traditions is what forms entrepreneurial culture. Okay. And you realize, like I said, when you copy a business model, when you copy an attitude, when you copy a personality, you're just adding to a red ocean. You're just adding to saturation. You're not innovating off of that. Entrepreneur culture is the opposite of innovation. Culture is what already exists, and, and the, the the induction of into what already exists. And so you have a bunch of quote unquote entrepreneurs on social media saying things that people who said it, you know, people who were, you know, what's the word? People who were going against the grain, people who were innovative in the original sense of it, they're, what they're doing is just copying what they say. Like somebody was the first person to say, oh, I wake up at 3 a.m. and I hustle. Maybe it was Gary Vee, whoever it was. And a bunch of people were just mimicking it. And so they're creating a culture that it's old and stale. They're creating noise because they don't have any originality, original thoughts, original ideas, original personality, original feelings of their own. And so it's a bunch of social media marketing, a bunch of business coaches, a bunch of, you know, drop shippers, a bunch of blah, 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 insert any, fill in any business into the blank, a bunch of business who can have the potential to make money, but never have the potential to be billion dollar businesses and a bunch of people who are just really not like they're not changing the world. They're saturating it because everyone had you can anybody can find a digital marketing coach at this point. You just added another one to the selection of options that they already had with the exact same services, but just in a different color because you think that's a brand. So, you know, and that's why we log into the internet and there's just so much noise. And it's our job as entrepreneurs to innovate, to change the world, not to create noise. The way we change the world is based on the book by Peter Thiel, Zero to One. It's by innovation. It's by looking at the red ocean, creating a blue ocean. Okay? And that's why you have people like Owen Cook, like Russell Brunson, like, 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 you know, like, uh, like Elon Musk, like Jeff Bezos, who are known as the innovators of the world, like Steve Jobs. There's a lot of, like, Mark Zuckerberg. Because of a lot of the ideas that they had, they were one of the first to do it. Try to create a social, social network, a social, social media platform right now. They've already done it. And so now you're just saturating the market. Okay? And that was one of the biggest, most powerful principles of zero to one. Zero to one is basically saying that, and this is where I'm getting a lot of this, so thanks to Peter Thiel for writing that book. 
is that you know a zero to one moment only happens once uh, what a zero to one moment is is where there's nothing and from that nothing becomes something that we haven't experienced before he has this thing in a book called vertical uh i don't remember what it's called it was like vertical innovation and horizontal innovation aka globalization vertical innovation is like when we go from nothing to something it's like okay we were walking before and then the Wright brothers came along and suddenly we can fly we have planes we were riding horses before and then someone came along and suddenly we have cars complete and total innovation that the world has never seen pushing technology pushing what's possible pushing the world forward in ways that we've never seen what horizontal innovation was, I don't know if these are the exact term, but globalization is, is taking an idea and putting it in places it hasn't reached yet. And he says this is what countries like China does, you know, because people feel like China, I don't know if this is true or not, but the assumption was that China mimics a lot of what has already been created in the world, okay? And so you'll have somebody like, you'll have something like, you know, like uh, iPads over here, and then you'll see like another company on the other side of the world making knockoff iPads or knockoff brands. Or maybe you have iPad over here and then another company will make their own tablet and sell it like, let's say, in the hood or something like that. Okay? You notice when you have things like, okay, there are no phones and now there are cell phones, you have an advancement in the world. People get to experience something new. Human society, technologically and as a whole, gets pushed forward and the future that we dreamed of the innovative future that we looked at like in Back to the Future and like you know when you look at future movies as a kid and there are flying cars everywhere that's how it's created because someone doesn't have a flying car and they make one someone doesn't have an electric car and they make one but what people who have done, are done nowadays is they do the horizontal way we have cars let's just give them to these people over here that don't have them yet so we're just spreading technology that already exists and putting different little looks and cute things on it Okay, oh, well, they have social media marketing agencies over there in Florida. Let's make them in California. The world isn't pushed forward technologically when that happens. We don't advance. We don't experience nothing new. And soon, you know, people mimic that in that place that you put it in. And suddenly we have competitors. All we have is noise. One of the big, you know, ideas of this book, Zero to One, is that, and this is what I realized, like, opportunities what makes a billion dollar company or one of the you know leading companies is the fact that they were innovative at one point in time they created something that didn't exist and in creating something that didn't exist and in moving into a blue ocean and this is, I'm, I'm combining this from the book play bigger because play bigger described what is called a category king and what a category king is uh, i'm trying to what a category king is is when a business essentially monopolizes the market because they were the first ones there okay and they did it better than everybody else initially out the gate and they've you know normally what, what a category can is is when someone moves into a market and when they move into a blue ocean because they innovated to get there they own all the market share and because they have all the market share and the trust and all the customers early on usually they own a monopoly that will never concede without intervention and so you'll have companies like google they were the first people to have that advanced searching software. And so they have a monopoly on the search market. Google has been the go-to website forever. Look at Tesla, the first people to make electric cars. And everybody's trying to create these knockoff brands, but Tesla already owns all the market share. If you think about companies like Nike, companies like McDonald's, one of the earliest fast food chains, companies like Facebook, the first functional social media platform. And Facebook has continued to be a dog 
the biggest, sucking up all the like all the market share, and everybody else is fighting for scraps. When people move from a red ocean to a blue ocean, that action in itself is which creates the magnitude of opportunity because they have the ability instantly off the bat to soak up all the market share and become a category king where other people can't beat them. Mar- Mar- people like Walmart, they will never be undermined unless you have a zero to one moment when you make another version of it, like you advance, like you, you advance the technology like what Amazon did. You know, but even Amazon is not directly competing with Walmart. I guess they are. I guess you can say they are, but they've went zero to one. They've innovated. You know, they completely revolutionized the game in their actions now. But Walmart, you know, traditionally, it's like like uh, Netflix and Blockbuster, zero to one. Blockbuster was on a long reign. They had a monopoly. The only thing that destroyed their monopoly was somebody going from this technology to this technology. They created a streaming service. You know, and because Netflix, you know, is one of the first streaming services, they own all the market share and no one can really knock them off. The difference was that they innovated. They went, they created something that didn't exist before. You know, they didn't go one to one. They went zero to one. And, you know, that's really all I have to say about that. That's one of the biggest topics that I've been kind of like just so fascinated with lately, you know. Because I've been looking at myself and where I've been standing in the world and who I want to be and looking at the, the businesses that I've tried to create in the past and realizing that, yeah, these businesses can make a lot of money, but these businesses will never make a difference in the world. These businesses will never make a billionaire out of me. These businesses will never be the business. I will never be the one in these opportunities because they're simply like replicas of opportunities that already exist. And because of that, I don't have the ability to create a monopoly, own mass market share, and create mass value as an asset or as a business because of that advantage. And so every other business I've created essentially has been just complete noise. Okay, It's been looking at an entrepreneur and what he's doing and, and mimicking it. It's been the creation of, it's, it's, it's particularly that noise and that creation of what is called entrepreneurial culture. A lot of people were regurgitating and mimicking ideas that were once unpopular opinions, were once rare, were once innovative, were once contrarian. Okay? What I'm saying in this video is this, man, or this podcast is this. Culture in itself, you know, this noise that we have, we have to abolish the noise. That is one of the ultimate goals of design as well. You know, these people were regurgitating ideas and just saying something that somebody else said, hustle hard, or I wake up at 3 a.m. And it's devoid of meaning. It's devoid of feeling. It's just that something somebody smart said one day. You know, it's part of the reason that I feel like a lot of, not that innovation is slowing down, but a lot of the innovation that could be happening is becoming stunted because we fall into these opportunities because we need a quick boost of cash to live our lives and then we lose the way. We get trapped in like low level opportunities and we're convinced that we can market them more or we can we can put a twist on it or sell more products or increase sales by increasing the metrics of the business in order to make it the biggest business in the world. But, you know, I remember Russell Brunson made a podcast about this, about having, sometimes people have level 10 skills but they're stuck in level four opportunities. And I didn't understand what he meant now, but in looking back and in retrospect, I completely understand. 
and a lot of my focus and my life energy and my resources have been shifted away from okay let's make a business that makes money to okay let's make let's innovate let's make something that hasn't been done before let's use our brain to forward humanity let's make a business that will change the world no matter how much time and resources energy and effort it will cost let's do something for people that is actually beautiful you know and not just saturate them and not just contribute to the noise and not just contribute to the, to the regurgitation of feelings and opinions that have been heard since the dawn of time. Okay? We all have to focus on building something new. Doing something daring. Going zero to one. And uh, so we don't find ourselves trapped in level four opportunities with level ten skill sets that no one ever remembers, man. Um, I think I beat that dead horse pretty, uh, pretty badly. I think that might be all I have to say today. I'm, if you can hear me, I'm rattling the keys. I'm opening the door, going back upstairs to my girly girl. Girlfriend's in here, probably sitting up waiting for me. But yeah, man, that's just one of the biggest things I've been thinking, man. How is it that we can do something that's not red ocean? but safely create a blue ocean that the world has yet to see. You know, it's this quote by Steve Jobs that's been on my mind a lot lately. I might have said it at the beginning of this podcast. I don't know. Um, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to find it. Oh, yeah, I, I know the quote. I'm not even going to have to look it up. He said, being the richest man in the cemetery, that doesn't matter to me. Going to bed every night saying we've done something wonderful, that's what matters. I think that's it. Let me look it up. I don't want to look it up because I don't want to butcher this man's quote. It's such a beautiful quote. It's just about, I think, just shifting. Shifting our focus is something that can really change the world and change our own lives. Don't you want to be the one man? There's literally a science. I recommend reading that book, by the way, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. It's literally the science of creating a tuning device that cuts through the noise instead of contributing to it. The quote is this, being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying we've done something wonderful, that's what matters to me. And it's a feeling that I'm really starting to adopt. I'm 23 years old, I can burn years, I can burn capital for that one idea that'll give people the future, the innovation, the life that they imagined when they were younger, they seen in the movies, that they craved, you know? Imagine being 80 years old and the world is the same. Imagine getting an old age and the world is exactly the same. I want beautiful new cities. I want beautiful new cars. I want beautiful new technology. I want to to see the results of everything that we've done here on this earth. And I want it to be beautiful, man. Um, That's important to me. Going to bed saying we've done something wonderful. I don't know, it just means the world. Our kids are going to inherit this place, you know. 
then their kids are going to burn this place after them. Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, he could have just built like what was hot at his time. He could have just built a newspaper company. Could have been the best newspaper salesman in town. What would that, what would that have mattered? Elon Musk could right now, he could just stop everything and just build a social media marketing company. He could be a business coach. He'd probably make a lot of money doing that. Not a billion, but a lot. You know, all the brilliant minds, Jeff Bezos. What, I mean, what, what business is a problem? He could have just did drop, he could just do drop shipping. You know, Jeff Bezos could just, uh, you know, sell courses online. But what they've done, what they've chosen for themselves, have made all the difference, you know. It's a really important idea, a really important concept, and I hope you choose to do the same. I'm not going to keep being a dinner horse. It's about 5 a.m. now, so I'm going to go inside and I'm going to go to bed. But I appreciate everybody for listening. I appreciate everybody for sharing this time with me um, and just hearing my thoughts, man. Uh, I think I'm going to make the next episode about this dream house that I saw uh, today in Malibu that I really want. But I don't really have much else to say, man. I really, I really appreciate you for sharing this time with me. It's been really important. It's been really special. This is Dallas Free. This is Grand Design Podcast. And, man, I'm checking out because I'm exhausted. Peace out.